because it's a midterm week. Who wants to pray a little extra blessing, a little favor of the Lord on your life for uh, this season? All right. Anybody stressed out because it's homecoming? Not really. Okay. That's not super stressful. If you were, you're probably working on a float, getting ready for a big performance. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, thank you so much, Dale, for uh, having me. It's really, really great. There you are. It took me a minute to find you, but it's really great to be at Vertical. I've had friends that have been a part of Vertical for a long, long time, and what God's doing through this movement, this gathering on campus is significant. Uh, like Dale mentioned, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Any uh, Georgians in the house? Okay, come on now. I'll take that. I like that. Uh, I'm not originally from uh, Georgia, though. I grew up in West Texas, Amarillo area. Any like West Texas people in the house? Okay. I'm a Canyon guy. You might not have heard of it, but Canyon, Texas is where, I'm, uh, where I call home or where I grew up. But Atlanta, Georgia's home, and Dale mentioned it, but in that vi- you saw that video. We're here, one, to pour into what God's doing in your, on your campus. And hopefully God will use this night to uh, lift your eyes, help your faith, make you grow stronger, help you just put that next foot in front of the other, because life can be difficult, right? Uh, following Jesus at your stage of life is challenging, you got a lot of different things competing for your attention and competing for your worship. And so we're here just to serve you, just straight up. We're hoping we didn't get, you know, come all this way just because we didn't have anything else to do. We really want to serve you what God's doing on your campus. And we also want you to invite you to be a part of Passion. Has anybody ever, anybody ever been to a Passion gathering before? All right, that's pretty good right there. That encourages me. Baylor's one of our top schools and. We've been in Houston the last few years. Anybody been to the Houston gatherings the last couple of years? All right, all right. Well, this year we're putting Atlanta and Houston, and the two gatherings we had in Atlanta, the one we had in Houston, all in one space in the Georgia Dome, a football stadium. And it's going to be a historic moment, and I really want to challenge you to figure out how to be there because it's a once-in-a-lifetime moment for you to be in a stadium Yes, led by some of the best people, the anointed leaders that are leading us in these days. But the history is that it's going to be a stadium full of college students. And I don't want you to miss out on that because the potential for what God's going to do in your life. You know, Jeff leading you in worship, amazing worship leader. It was at a passion gathering that God saved him and changed his life. And the same could be true of you. So what God wants to do in your life, but even more than that, what God wants to do in and through your generation. Think about the ripple that could come from maybe 50, 60,000 college students all gathering together, then all scattering to their campuses and to the ends of the earth. Because that's what's going to happen, we believe, through Passion 2017. So we want you to come. We got Taylor and Andre in the house. Uh, These guys are on our CU at the Dome road team. You saw the big ambulance. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not supposed to call it an ambulance. That might be illegal. It's a truck, um, but it's an old ambulance that's out front. And uh, Andre, you look good, man. You're wearing a good-looking shirt. Looks like I've got that shirt on, too. It's uh, Bears at the Dome. And we got a bunch of them for sale. Let's sell sell out of them tonight. You could buy it at the truck. You could sign up for Passion at the truck and save cash. And everybody wants to save a little cash, right? Or you can even use the code BEARS on the website. Save a little less cash, but still saving cash. Anybody up for thinking about being at Passion 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia? 
All right, tonight's your night. Let's make it happen um, and be there. Hey, I'm going to be in the Matthew uh, Sermon on the Mount. Is that cool? Um, I'm a little insecure because I heard Nabil Qureshi was here last week. And uh, just off the top, I've taught that man everything he knows. And if you could tweet him later and just let him know that I told you that, he would then respond with, yes, I'm so grateful. I have learned everything I know from Brad Jones. I wish I could say that was the truth, but it's not. I'm fired up to be here. Um, Let's pray together, and then we'll dive into God's word. And instead of me giving a speech from stage in this prayer moment, will you pray in your own heart? And ask God to move in your life. Ask God to speak to you. Encourage you. Challenge you. Help you. Got to thank you for this group of college students. Lord, I'm grateful to be here, but I'm more grateful that you're here. I'm more grateful that you're on the scene, that you have arrived. Not passion's here, but Jesus is here. And we believe that when you're around, anything is possible. You know every single one of these students. You know their highs, their lows, their good, their bad, what they're uh, working on that's great, and what they're struggling with. And so I just ask you to come and breathe. Come and speak. Come and move. We didn't want to just come here to go through the motions, but we want to have an encounter with you. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray. We all say, we all say, thank you. I feel like I'm on on an island up here. So any more talk back I can get, the more helpful it's because I am on an island. But hey, uh, I do need to tell you a story up top. And I'm a little nervous to tell you this because you might just tune me out from here on out. This might be a bad idea, Dale. I did not go to Baylor. Uh, my two best friends from high school went to Baylor, so I spent a lot of time here. The fact that you have an In-N-Out now and a Chipotle now, it's just blowing my mind when I drove in. Uh, Jeff took me to the silos, you know. We just rolled into town. We had to go try to stalk Chip and Joanna, and uh, that was his idea, not mine. But ba- uh, Baylor and Waco is a different place than when I was rolling here frequently because I went to school down Highway 6, of course, at Texas A&M University. I shouldn't have said it. Dale, you told me not to say it. Why did I say it? I don't know either, but I said it, and that's where I went to school. But I'll be, I'll be honest, I was a two-percenter. I wasn't all that into the university when I was there, especially the traditions, the cult-like tendencies that Texas A&M has. And I spent a lot of time, granted, I'm a big fan now that we're ranked high, but, uh, you know, I wore, I wore white, not Bermuda, to the games when I was in college. But I spent a lot of time coming back and forth to Waco to hang out with my buddies. And a lot of my friends went to Baylor. And when we graduated, I moved to Birmingham, and I remember this moment um, very clearly. And that was before McLean Stadium was around. That was before uh, Baylor's football team was on the map. But I, A&M was good, and Baylor was not. And I was listening to the Baylor A&M game on the radio in Birmingham. And that year was the first year in a long time that Baylor made it a game. And it wasn't only a game. It, like, went down to overtime. And I'm listening on the radio for whatever reason. I think I probably just didn't get the game on TV out in Birmingham. 
And my buddies are texting me. They're calling me at halftime like, can you believe it's tied? They're like celebrating the tie at halftime, you know? And they're like, I'm like, hey, just wait, just two more quarters. That's when the game will prove that we're better, right? And then they call me at the end of the third quarter. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. The stadium's going crazy. More people are showing up. They were in their dorms. Now they're driving to Floyd Casey to get here. And not that any Baylor students would do that. And I was like, hey, just it's okay. We're got, we got this under control. And then, sure enough, at the end of the regulation, it was tied. We went into overtime. First possession of overtime, we get the ball, and we score. And I'm like, finally, we are going to finish these guys. You know, we got to win this game. And then the worst of the worst happened. Baylor scores and then had the guts. You scored, had the guts to go for two. And you get it. <laughs> and my worst nightmares came true. And immediately... I reached up to the stereo, turned off the radio, reached into my pocket, turned off my phone, and I did not turn it on for two days. (laughs) I did not want to hear from any of my friends that had the wrong message for me. I wanted to turn down the volume, eliminate the negative noise because I was not prepared to deal with it. And they were frustrated because they wanted to rub it in, and they just, it just kept going straight to voicemail. But a, a story tonight, and I'm wondering about the noise in your life, the volume in your life. What needs to be turned down? What needs to be turned off? And what needs to be turned up? What is the soundtrack? that's determining your trajectory, your life, your days, your relationships, your peace, your joy, your hope. Do you have the right soundtrack in place? Are you listening to the right things, to the right person? In in Matthew chapter 5, we've got this beautiful challenge. It's the Sermon on the Mount. You're in this Um, series called Stay Salty, and for fear of disappointing, I'm actually going to lead you to a verse that is the anchor of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to challenge you to read this verse like you've never read it before. I grew up in Canyon, Texas, First Baptist Church, good old church kid. My resume is impressive in terms of maybe like yours, always at church, in the youth group leader in the youth group, mission trips, ministries at college. But it's not our resume that moves the heart of God, it's our faith. And I want you to read this verse like you really believe it. Maybe like you've never read it before and Jesus is talking. And he's saying to you and to me through his word, he's saying in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand. I should write a song about this at some point. Um, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Just making sure you're with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Let it. Let it. Let it like you mean it. That was impressive. 
Should I keep going? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus has put us on a mission. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sins. Yes, you're like, I know all this, Brad. Thanks for coming to Atlanta to share that with us. No, we can't get over that, right? The cross isn't something that you move past. It's something that you cling to. It's not something that you get over. It's something that you grow closer to. It's the, who Jesus is and the work he's done. He came. He lived. He died. With the weight of your sin, with the weight of my sin on his shoulders. But death couldn't stop him. The grave couldn't hold him. And he's alive, right? We sang it. And it was powerful. And it's true. He's alive. And when he left earth, went back to his true home, his right place, leading, ruling, sovereign over all creation, he gave us a mission. And he's given you a mission, me a mission, your mission at Baylor University. Let your light shine so that people can see. And so I just have a couple questions. Before other people can see, you got to have the light. Have you seen? I'm not saying have you showed up. I'm not saying have you attended. I'm saying have you seen? Have your eyes been opened? It's okay, I'm not judging you. It's actually the most beautiful thing I can challenge you in. Because Jesus isn't a, about a program or a list of rules or a tradition. It's about having our eyes open to how, who he is and how great he is. It's receiving that light, right? I don't know if it's possible. It would be really cool if we could shut the lights off in this place. That's probably a bad idea with uh, several hundred students gathered, but maybe we can. And we can leave them off. Partly because I don't want to get hit by crickets. Have you received the light? Before you can show the light, live the mission, have the lights turned on for you? Or are you banking on your church you grew up in? the tradition with which you were raised, your mom's faith, your dad's faith, your granddad's faith, your sister's faith, the fact that you go to Baylor University, the fact that you show up at Vertical on a Monday night, that's not what you need. That's not what Jesus had in mind. That's not what faith is all about. Before we can set our mind to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we have to first come to terms with whether or not we have the light or the bats or the locusts or whatever that is. <laughs> Students, are, have you seen? Have your eyes been opened? Have you put your faith, your saving faith in Jesus? Given him your life because of what he's done for you. It's not about someone else, but it's about you. Have the lights come on. Can you turn them on? I was, that would have been really cool if I could have just snapped and they would have come on. 
but they'll probably take a minute to light up. Voila. No. Have you seen? And then when we see, this is the plan of Jesus, right? We will in turn help other people see. And that's the greatest thing you can ever give your life towards. That's what passion's all about. It's about living our lives for what matters most. You've got two options, right? You can live for more, you can live for less. Jesus came that you could have life to the full. The devil says, I've come to steal, kill, and destroy. Though things of the world will disappoint, they will fade, they will leave you wanting more. Jesus says, come to me and you will never be disappointed. You will never, um, you will always be satisfied. You live for me and it will be making your life count for what matters most. You've got choices. You're at that crossroads. What are you going to give your life to? Who are you going to give your life to? A few years back when the stock market crashed, I was smart enough to soon after had a little bit of cash stored up saved up. You're like, savings, that would be an awesome thing to have. Like, uh, I don't know what that means, Brad, but I had a savings account with a decent chunk of change in it. And I decided that I should put a little bit of money in the Apple stock, right? I don't know why I said the Apple, but Apple stock. And I put a little bit of money in Apple, right? Not much, but just like a couple hundred bucks. And over the next several years, Apple just went crazy, iPhone after iPhone, iPad after iPad, and like my money grew a little bit, like a killer percentage. Unfortunately, it was just like a really, really small amount, and I was like, man, why didn't I put it all in Apple? If I would have put that whole amount in Apple, then we would be talking, people. I'd buy passion registrations for everybody. And, you know, obviously that's not good investment advice to all the finance majors, finance majors, accounting majors. Don't put all your money in one stock. You've got to diversify. Uh, that's a finance major in me that never did anything with my degree. So there you have it. I admitted it. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Thanks for paying for my school as much as you could. But I'm a pastor now, so God's happy, and hopefully you're happy. <laughs> and I was like, why didn't I put more in? Why not put more in? I'm nervous for you. And I'm aware for me that life's short. We all know, we don't know when, but we all know it's true that life will end. My heart's heavy, your heart's heavy for one of your peers that's not here tonight. Thankfully, he trusted Jesus. But David's passing should remind all of us there's no guarantees. And so I just want you to think about what are you living for? Who are you living for? And when you get to the end, will, will you, like me, say, man, I just wish I would have given more. 
put more in, lived for Jesus, not just part of the time, not just when it felt good, not just when everybody else was doing it, but like I actually living my life in such a way that people would see who I am, see what I do, see the way that I live, and they would see that there's someone greater in heaven that they should worship, trust, give glory to. That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus became, came to offer. Sermon on the Mount's his first public teaching. is like there's a new way. There's a better way. And student, friend, there's a better way. And yes, the noise of the world will tell you that life's all about the most money and the most comfort and having the, you know, best, you know, of the best in the American dream. But Jesus came to announce something different. He said, join the kingdom of God. Live on mission with me. Be a part of my kingdom and help build my kingdom. Let the light come on in your heart and in your head and then start living in such a way that other people start getting the light, seeing the light, trusting the light. And when you get to the end and when I get to the end, are we going to be proud of what kind of clothes we wore, what kind of car we drove, what kind of house we had, how big that first signing bonus was? And I'm not saying don't try to get a great job. Don't tell your parents I said that. But if that's what the purpose of your life is, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to miss out. You're going to settle for less. Jesus is the only one that can always give more. So we have to jump on board with Matthew 15. Matthew 5, 15 say, let my light shine before men. First, I got to get the light. I have to receive the light. And then I reflect the light. And just quickly, I just have a couple minutes to close. I want to give you a few practical steps. If you got your phone, if you got something to write notes on, I just want to leave you with a few things that will help you. How can I, as a freshman at Baylor, where are the freshmen in the house? I, where are the seniors in the house? Yeah. I'm just going to do a quick challenge to all the seniors. I'm glad you're here. Following Jesus actually might get more challenging for you once you get out of college. You don't have a thing like this that caters to you. But choose today, say, I'm going to live out Matthew 5, 14 through 16 in the next season of my life. I hope you'll make that commitment. Sophomores and juniors, sorry you're getting left out of this, but you can choose one of the two uh, options for you as well. Uh, Victory lap seniors, then I'll just pray for you. Um, Freshmen, there's a bunch of you here. I want to challenge you to commit to being here or to being at something like this in four years from now. Because good intentions don't change the world. Faithfulness does. 
What would it look like for you to be like, man, as a freshman, like Joshua, he said, I'm going to choose today who I'm going to serve, who I'm going to live for. I want to challenge you for your season at Baylor, no matter what the noise might be, the party scene, the wrong relationship, the coasting mentality, oh, I'm good because I trusted Jesus when I was 10. Now I can just go do whatever I want. I want to challenge you right now. I'm going to let my light shine so that other people can see, so the the students of this campus might see that there's something, someone better And they would move from religion to relationship. I want to make my life count while I'm at Baylor to see more of a revival come to the people in my classroom, people in my dorm, people in my apartment complex. Choose today, freshmen. And then for all of us, just a few practical things. It's about your decisions. It's about your choices. We all say we want God's will for our life. Who wants really to follow God's will for their life? Like who prayed for your college decision? God, please just write it on a piece of paper. Like I know like I've got all these offers from Ivy League schools and like, you know, all the amazing schools and they're offering me full rides. But just, would you t- I'm sure that was all your stories, right? Was that, that was my story, right? No, I'm kidding. It wasn't. Uh, A&M, I'm like, please take me, please. Baylor wouldn't accept me. So I got to settle for something left. Uh, you're supposed to like yell or something at that, but um, trying to make amends for at least telling you where I went to school because I'm already still trying to make up lost ground. It's your decisions. Following God's will. First thing to know is that who you are is more important than what you do. Your character matters more in your occupation. So think about your character because God cares a lot about it. He said about David, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Who you are more important than what you do. Second, faith is what moves the heart of God. Not rules, not religion, not the checklist. As you try to make decisions for your life, just operate in the mentality of God. You're amazing. I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to live for you. And he will always bless that prayer. He will lead you. He will guide you. Might be some ups and downs and some hard times that come along, but it, he will make your path straight and your life will count for what matters most. And then lastly, whatever you do, do it for God's glory. You're like, ah, oh, what do I major in? I'm supposed to figure it out. My parents are wanting me to make sure I use my major. They're breathing down my neck. I don't have a job offer yet. What am I going to do? God's saying, hey, whatever. Whatever. How freeing is that? Go for it. Dreams, passions, hopes, ambition. He says, whatever. Go. Do it. But when you go, do it for his glory and not your glory. His fame, his name, not your fame in your name. Whatever you do, 
Faith moves the heart of God. And who you are is more important than what you, what you do. One last illustration, and the guys are going to come up. We're going to get to respond. This was um, a picture of my faith. It's a little heavy. I should have worked out a little bit more recently. Don't laugh at that. It's like acknowledging that you know that's true, Joe. You're my friend. You're, not, you're, you're supposed to support me, encourage me. This is a picture of the Sermon on the Mount for me. Growing up, this was what I, when I would read Matthew 5 through 7. I'd read all of Jesus' teaching. I'd be like, all right, I got it. You want me to build my house on the rock? You want me to pray to my Father who's in heaven, the Lord's Prayer? You want me to be salt of the earth and light of the world? I got that. You want me to live in such a way that glorifies my Father in heaven? I can do that. I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to stay on the right path, and not going to do what everybody else is doing, and show up at church, and lead when I can, and read my Bible when I feel like I haven't read it in soon enough, and so I should probably read it again. Like I'm going to live it out. God, you can count on me. And it becomes a, something we carry. A burden we bear. You're like, your faith starts getting heavy. Your faith in following Jesus, living for him, making his name known, just starts looking like something that like is not all that great. Not all that easy. Not sure how long I'm going to be able to keep it up. Not sure how long I'm going to be able to stay on the right path. Surely I'm about to drop this thing. Jesus said your yoke is easy and your burden is light, but man, uh, living for you seems is, is really, really difficult. And I'm trying my hardest. I don't know though. Baylor, man. The world, man, the noise, the soundtrack. Dating this girl now, and I know I probably should wait, but man, I don't know if I can. I know my parents told me I better not do that, and my youth pastor said the same thing. I I don't know, though. It's getting tough. We're thinking about it the wrong way, right? Jesus never was our burden to carry. But like Nabil talked about last week, he's always been our rock to stand on. And if your faith is a burden to carry, you've missed it. But when Jesus becomes to you the rock on which you stand, your ground gets a lot sturdier. And you need sturdy ground, students. Some of you know that all too well. You're facing something really difficult in life right now. It would be heartbreaking if we went person by person, row by row, and said, hey, what are you carrying? What are you facing? What hard time has come your way? What diagnosis is your family up against? What divorce have you just walked through with your parents? What broken relationship is crushing your heart? 
it'd just be hard. And when Jesus said he came to give life to the full, he never said it was going to be easy. And so we need sturdy ground. And no relationship with a girl or a boy, no career, no GPA, no sport, no achievement. And I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying none of it's sturdy. And so as you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, or a, you know, extra senior, you got, you got to find that solid, sturdy ground that you're going to build your life on. And Jesus is sure And you can always count on him. He'll never give way. Build your life on the rock. Live for what matters most. Let your light shine before men. Be on mission with him so that the whole world can see how great he is. Let's pray. wonder tonight why everybody's not looking around, eyes are closed, just giving people a moment of privacy. I just wonder if there's anyone that when the lights went off, you knew that was a picture of your life, that there was no faith, that you had never seen and trusted Jesus for yourself. Always been going through the motions, or because you thought that was the right thing to do. I just wonder if there's anyone tonight that says, I want to put my trust in Jesus. My faith, my hope, my life. I want to trust Him and I want to follow Him. Trust Him for what He has done for me on the cross. And living my life for Him. If that's you, no one's looking around, so do not be timid in this moment, but I want to ask you to raise your hands and say, I want to put my faith in Jesus tonight. It might be crazy because I go to a Christian school. That's not crazy. This is the time in life so many students decide for themselves to follow Jesus. I love it. So many students right now. If you wouldn't mind keeping them up, I would just love to see you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If your hand's up, I just want to ask you to pray. And you tell Jesus that you need him. You want to put your faith in him. Ask for his forgiveness. Thank you that his cross was enough for you. And tell him you want to live for him and follow him. That's your prayer, not mine. I believe because the scripture says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's more than this is more than just raising your hand. This is receiving from Jesus salvation. You can put your hands down. That's awesome. Praise God. And then everyone else, let's just still stay in this moment of response. 
Would anybody say they've been building their life on the wrong thing? That they've been living and choosing the wrong things to worship, to follow, to hope in. And you just want to come back to Jesus tonight and say, I want to build my life on the rock. Is that you? Will you just cross this stadium, raise your hand. No magic, but it is responding to God and that honors him. That blesses him. Raise him high. God, help all of us see that you're always better and that you are sure even we and we are not. We will stumble and fall. Young men and women will stumble and fall, but you never, you will never fail. We want to build our life on you. We want to trust you, God, as the cornerstone, as the sure, solid foundation.